Hello and welcome to Unrequested with Rad and Shank. I'm Rad. This Shank. And uh, we have another special guest today. So yes, sir. Uh, in this episode, uh, we got a few topics we're going to touch on, but primarily we're going to kind of, uh, I'm going to have Shank tank delete, excuse me, <laughs> tank delete. I'm going to have Shank take the lead. There it uh, is. This is one of his frat brothers, a good friend of his, um, who's achieved quite a bit. So we want to kind of uh, talk to uh, our guest and we're going to have you guys listen in and, and we're going to see where the conversation goes. And then we're going to have a little bit of fun like we always do. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Shane, why don't you go ahead and uh, take the wheel? Yeah, I'll go and take the wheel here. Um, this is this is my brother. I actually consider this dude family. He, but uh, we, we came across uh, our past in, in the same fraternity. He actually was the one that put me on. Okay. Um, and so um, I look up to this dude, but Aaron, Aaron Green is on Aaron this Green episode. Welcome y'all. to Unrequested, um, sir. So that's what I want to do, <laughs> Dang, bro. Yeah, honor. yeah. In- introduce yourself, bro. Where you from? Where'd you grow up? What you doing today? Did you did you take uh, a nap well, right now? Did you take a nap? Did you, did you right now? I'm in my in my office chilling. You know, I, I you know I actually tried to take a nap, but my five year old son like just jumped on me like, nah, bro, I'm <laughs> playing Fortnite. Aaron, man, listen, we just we find him a Captain America skin. We were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago about yeah. how we have to take naps now. Mm-hmm. And I, dude, I take a nap, and I'll tell you, I take a nap on Friday and Sunday. That's right. I I, I have it's necessary. actually sometimes Saturday, <laughs> but yeah, I, I man. I yeah. can't believe it. We, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, hope maybe maybe you can find a time sometime today. Kind of yeah. Catch up on that nap, <laughs> recharge a little bit. But yeah, yeah go ahead, go ahead, let introduce us, yourself, yeah. bro. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you both for having me. I love the show. You guys are doing amazing work. Thank you. Bro. Uh, for those of you who know me and those who do not, my name is Aaron Green. I go by Aaron Rock Green Senior because I have two sons, beautiful black boys, Aaron Junior and Eliza Raheem Green. Um, so I am a Denver native. My family, um, born and raised in Denver right now. I'm with, um, my own company, Aaron Rock Green LLC. Uh, so basically what I have been doing for the last 10 years as a professional social worker has really been trying to reimagine how we are seeing, uh, those who are in harm's way, uh, because we know that just systematically that there's been so many uh, black and brown indigenous people of color who've gone through the doors um, through the child welfare system or the criminal justice system or the educational system um, and have been treated unfairly. And so part of my, what, what I call my uh, social work practice is basically just partnering with organizations from schools, grassroots organizations, um, anyone who has a heartbeat uh, who really is dedicated to reimagining how we see each other and um, building up upon love and the dignity of people. And so honestly, man, for the last two years, I've been uh, grinding, trying to figure out how to retool, uh, how to work with local and international uh, stakeholders when it comes to uh, healing the harm that's been done, you know, Mm. specifically for children who are in the foster care system, especially black and brown kids. When we uh, remove them from the home, if there's um, safety concerns, unfortunately, if they're placed in foster care, they're more likely to have adverse or negative outcomes. They're less likely to graduate from high school prepared. Uh, they're less likely mm. to uh, go to college. Uh, they're more likely to be involved in the criminal justice system. And so what I've always done is, you know, um, and most of my colleagues, we, we really promote kinship care 
uh, which means that we want to connect uh, children who are in harm's way back into their community. So their their pastors, their neighbors, their aunts, their uncles, grandparents are a huge uh, support system. Mm-hmm. And take note, you know, grandparents in the in the uh, black family is a very important uh, position. Uh, they are tired. They don't want to mm-hmm. be raising no other kids. They, <laughs> yeah, man. They want their kids to raise their kids. And so, uh, you know, shout out to the to the grandparents who've done their work. But you know, I've really been trying to, you know, I actually wrote two books uh, to really uh, give an extra layer of academic support for my love of social work. So that's me in a nutshell. I live in Southeast Aurora with my beautiful wife Tracy and our two sons. Um, and we've been home since March. So this is this is twelve months into the pandemic. So this is what a better way to put Terry on topic mm-hmm. on this beautiful Sunday. Man, you, you that's do awesome. some that's some powerful work to yeah. do there, man. Like that's like what 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 kind of um got you going in that direction? Yeah. Like when you first went to college, because as I understand you have two degrees, two masters. Yes? I do. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so you learned. You learn. Watch it. I can uh, read and write a little bit. You know. So, and I love it. I love it. Like, so, and as you were going through all the, you know, your academics, like, what got you? Number one, what put you in that direction? Now, did you plan to be a social worker? Did you get into social work? And then all the stuff you just spoke about, did you? Did you go in that direction after getting into your career or did you know like, Hey, look, I want, I want to help. And this is the, this is the career that's going to push me in in that direction. And then after you answered that, what is in the most basics, I need to know like, what is social work? So, so yeah, I know that's two questions, but yeah, like break it down for us. Oh no, that's good. That's good. So, uh, when I was growing up, I actually wanted to be an attorney. You know, I really looked up to John Hancock um, and the great minds of Thurgood Marshall and so I was like, I want to be the next attorney that could, you know, rewrite the, the uh, history of the people who have been harmed. Uh, but I actually give kudos to my two grandmothers who actually passed away when I was in college, but my grandmother Joyce actually uh, adopted my uncle whose uh, parents uh, actually suffer from substance misuse disorder. And so long story short, she actually brought him into her home when he was an infant. And so I don't, you know, me my brother and my sister, we would spend countless days and, uh, you know, time at my grandmother's house. And so I was talking about how grandparents take the wheel of families. And so, mm-hmm. um, when there was a, a, a question about should this child go into foster care or what I call stranger care, my grandmother stepped up and said, absolutely not. He will be um, taken care of. And so she provided kinship care. Um, and then later on, when he was unable to return back home, uh, she actually stood up and said, I will formally adopt him. And so she became his son and he is my beloved uncle. And so, of course, I'm many years older than him. And so in different circles when we talk about uh you know who we are and who we are i said that's my uncle like me how did that happen and so Mm. we have a conversation about how dynamic family is so that's Mm. my first credit um to my introduction to this world and my second is my grandmother betty who actually worked as a caseworker for the u.s department of health and human services in the child and family unit for 26 years where she really helped 
um, at the federal level how to work with families. And so, you know what, thinking about it, she never, ever talked about her work. And so when I actually started to write my book um, years later and I found out that she was a caseworker for 26 years, I'm like, that's, that's it. You know, my grandparents planted a seed. And mm. so when I went to CSU, shout out to my fellow Rams um, <laughs> in Fort Collins, I actually didn't know what I wanted to be. You know, I went as an open major um, and I chose political science and my minor in ethnic studies. Mm-hmm. And I kind of flipped, tripped and fell into the work of uh, social work. So to answer your second question, the definition of a social worker um, is basically an academically disciplined and trained professional that is dedicated uh, to the individual and the collective well-being of the disenfranchised. So I always say that we work people who are mar- who are marginalized and oppressed. Um, and our aim as a social worker, regardless of if you're a uh, you know if you're a, a caseworker or if you're a school um, school social worker or if you're a hospital social worker. Um, our aims are always focused on alleviating the conditions of those in need um, of help or who are in harm's way. So for me, I am—I have my master's in management, and I also have a master's in social work. And so my concentration is in child welfare and child maltreatment. So you know, for children who have been abused sexually, physically, emotionally, um, and also who have been neglected, so parents who. Uh, who fell short of, provide, of providing those basic needs of food, clothes, or, um, or, or a shelter. And so long story short, a social worker is someone who um, actually is on the front lines working with families, but also we are leaders in our communities where not only do we have to, you know, give a referral or document reports or testify in court, but we're actually uh, changing legislation that we are lobbying for policies and uh, practices and so we come in all different shapes and and sizes and shades um and i always want to advocate for we need more black indigenous people of color um social workers because we know that social work historically is a very disenfranchising oppressive system because we um for just like a quick history lesson uh child welfare in its infancy actually was only for white children. So it wasn't until mm. 1945 or after World War II where uh, the, the uh, Federal Bureau, um, actually the, um, the Children's Bureau was founded in 1912, where it actually started to identify that there needs to be supportive services for non-white children. And so it wasn't until 1945 uh, when they started to open up different services for black and brown children and, um, and families. And so just think about the years, the 400 years of slavery, um, and just how we've been conditioned to not support black and brown families. And so I love being a social worker. I am, I have so many, uh, family and friends who are social workers. And so for those who are hearing my voice, if you've thought about it, considered it, uh, reach out to me because we need people like you who have a who have a passion. Um, whether you're white, black, brown, Asian, Native American, there's a need for you to be a social worker because we can work from the White House to um, working with our unhoused neighbors, dealing with um, the homeless, you know, issues. Also with child welfare, trying to make sure that families have what they need to make sure that their children are safe. 
Mm. Man, that's that's beautiful. Man. Wow. Like that like that's a true calling. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. And and the fact that you're so invested in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I would imagine it sounds as if it's a career that you'd really have to be passionate to get into. But I'd imagine like any career, there are people who are just there there for a job, yeah. right? But you <laughs> are like you have yeah, a heart yeah, for it. Yeah. But you have yeah. a heart for it. Like <laughs> yeah. I hear that, man. Yeah. That said, let's segue in and that's a beautiful message, man. Mm-hmm. And I love you um, you know, reaching out and allowing people to kind of um uh, contact you with yeah. any, with any interest, and that that's crucial, man. Because to that point, you know, I'm I'm in my 40s, and I you know I know what a social worker is in a very broad, like basic sense. So it was cool mm-hmm. to hear you really explain because I never knew the depth of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, that said, Absolutely. I know you've written two books. Um. Oh, and did you know this? And I, I'm going to break this down. Do you know what this month is, Aaron? I know that it is Women's Appreciation Month. Well, amongst other things, it is National Social Worker Month. Oh, yes, it is. You know, and shame on me for forgetting because everyone's going to it. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, and you know what? So I want to say thank you. Thank right? you. On, Absolutely. On our podcast, thank you to you and anyone else who does this kind of work. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, and Absolutely. I, I, I want to say you. that, Aaron. That's what you do, man. It, you have to have a heart for that stuff, and – I appreciate you even taking up the just the the courage to do something in that capacity. And one question I have for you, bro, is knowing that you go into situations that might seem very bad and it can be taxing and emotionally draining, if, if I'm making sense. But what what is it that you do to, to make sure that your psychological safety and well-being is, is taken care of, knowing that. You you probably have seen some some heart wrenching situations. Yeah, I didn't want to kind of I didn't want to. I was put yeah. you on the spot with that, but I mean that's that's got to be up there with. I, I mean, obviously, maybe it's not on the level of like being a paramedic, but the damage that you have to witness and re- and and you're oh. kind of tasked with repairing it to some extent, or at yeah. least being a part of the repair process. Like, yeah, yeah, how, you know, what's the weight of that? Yeah. So social work in essence, is a thankless job. You know, as the pandemic has deemed most of uh, different industries as essential, we have so many different social workers who are in hospitals, who are um, in nursing homes, who are, you know, schools and uh, child welfare who are on the front lines. And so we've seen a lot of uh, trauma. And so what we call is, uh, we call it secondary trauma, where we've witnessed acute or chronic um experiences by our clients and they retell and tell their their stories and it could be what we call uh counter transference or transference where as a human being we connect to the stories of our clients and then in turn we are mentally uh, damaged from that and so we have to really try to compartmentalize those experiences and how do you start off work when we're in a pandemic where we're, mm. we are working from our homes or we're going into homes and then coming back to our homes? Um, and then uh, what we call ruminating or uh, continuing to think about the issues and the traumas and the harms and the fears of our clients. And so one thing that I've always told my staff um, who are on the front lines and who I've worked with, uh, that we have to put ourselves first, and it's all about self-care. Mm. One thing that uh, many people from many industries have talked about is, you know, how do you take care of yourself and be mindful of 
uh, not showing up when you're half full, that we have to be able to be our full selves by showing up to work when our battery is recharged. You know, I know that we grow up in this uh, technology boom where if our phone is not charged, we are not leaving the house, right? <laughs> right. No. So we need to, have, <laughs> you we need it, to yeah. have that same type of parallel process when we're talking about how do we go to work so um, true. When mm-hmm. our hearts are heavy or our minds are heavy. And so part of what I do is I always take a break. I spend time with my wife. I spend time with my children. Mm-hmm. But I also want to take time for myself. And so kudos to my wife who said, you know, back in, I want to say November of 2020, she said, Aaron, sit down and write a book. Um, and so that nugget of of advice turned into two books. So, yeah, I'm uh, glad you brought that you up because we wanted Casey. to. Yeah, we wanted to talk about that, that you are a a top-selling author on Amazon. So quick plug, Um, Aaron has two books he's published, The Color Code and Invisible is the newest book, right? Absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm sorry, I let you finish uh, giving uh, props to your wife. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Shout out to Tracy. She is a part of the lovely ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. All right. All right. Well, Tracy, you know, yeah, thank you man. for being support. Because, listen, I, I have a powerful, a strong, and amazing woman who stands beside me and is, is a, a, attributed to a lot of my success. Uh, Shank has the same. Mm-hmm. So we understand that relationship. And so, you know, no one. We, we, would, we would be lost without them. Absolutely. absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and on the other side, it, it, you have to identify when you're in a toxic relationship to your point that drains your battery and you can't be the best you version of yourself for yourself and for the people you're trying to help. So it's even Absolutely. more important that those people in our lives are true attributors to our, to our growth mm-hmm. and are just our betterment. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, so, absolutely. yeah. So let's talk about the books, man. Yeah. You are a top seller on Amazon. Uh, which is awesome, man. Yeah. That is awesome. So number eleven still? Are you still are you at the eleven spot? Yeah. Or did that did you, you drop know, honestly, from the top ten? I 10? have I have I have not uh seen I have not looked at the numbers in quite some time, but I know for sure that the color code was the number one new release. Um and it got to, you know, the top eleven of the top one hundred books on Amazon. So me? Shout out wow. to the color code. Man, that is amazing. Um, Dropped the other book. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron, let me let me tell you, man, like that the that's reason awesome. that's so amazing is because I, I, I was I was a writer ten years ago. But fiction. It was like fiction books. Uh, I, I even won an independent publishing award for one of my novels, but I thank you, brother. But I never hit a single list. <laughs> and when I, and I, I won an I won an award. I went to New York to the Plaza Hotel. I went to New York to accept an award. And I was like, this is it, man. I want it. I'm an award-winning author. Like, it's going to take off. And no, it did not take (laughs) off. And so I was like, you know, I kind of just, you know what I mean? But so that is, I don't think people understand. It's so hard to break in. Um, Now, granted, I think that what you're sharing, your books, and I want you to kind of elaborate on that, Mm -hmm. is definitely a deeper subject. And of course, would be more appealing to a broader audience. Or, or no, actually, given what you're probably talking, it's probably a niche audience. What do you, what do you think? You know, uh, so part of my work, I consider myself an anti-racist social worker. Okay. Um, and so part of that with my books, it's really talking about how do we disrupt white supremacy. Uh, and so just 
to shape and understand the the framework of my books, we have to really talk about understanding the shared language and terminology. So when I say anti-racism, it's basically uh, the word or or a content of actively opposing racism um, by advocating for changes uh, in the political, economic, religious, and social life. And so as Someone who considers themselves as anti-racist, but the, the a term essentially is uh, someone who is supporting the anti-racist policies uh, through their actions or expressing anti-racist ideas. And so my first book, The Color Code, is geared specifically for social workers. Um, you know, the what one thing that the pandemic has uncovered is the unhealed, bloody, uh, blistering wound of racism in America and globally. Yeah, and so you, you, there's been, you know, uh, a wave of uh, the mainstreaming of anti-racism of, you know, organizations and agencies leading the charge in diversity, equity, and access and inclusion work or EDI or the DEI work. And so I've been doing this for several years and I always say that Black, Indigenous, indigenous People of Color or BIPOC we are naturally anti-racist because we are continually trying to demonstrate our worth and our value. And so it's up to non-BIPOC or our white allies uh, who specifically benefit from white supremacy that they need to recognize their privilege in that and become a true ally. And so um, I always want to frame, you know, the definition of white supremacy is the belief that white people um, basically constitute a superior race um, and to therefore dominate society. And so typically it's to the exclusion or the detriment of other racial or ethnic groups. And so some people get timid about hearing the term white supremacy. Um, and, you know, you might hear people say, oh, I am not a racist. <laughs> I am not that person. Right, right. Um, and so that, that statement itself does harm. And so if you guys are not familiar with Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, um, he Absolutely. wrote the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. So, yeah, so plug him. Like, I am I am a student of his work. Um, I actually read his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and it helped spark me writing the color code. Mm. Um, because even in his, his opening chapter, and, and, I, and I love it, it's called My Racist Introduction, right? And so he's really putting himself in his work about, you know, what's the problem with being not racist? You know, basically he says that it is a claim that signifies this neutrality of someone who says, I am not a racist, but neither am I aggressively against racism. So we really have to actively understand how we benefit or how we harm folks. And so the color code actually has 10 anti-racist tools and strategies. for social workers who are dealing with the front line of working with black and brown children. Um, so just to give you like some statistics, um, black women or black mothers um, are more likely to be referred to the child welfare system 10 times more than white women just because of the systemic, the systemic racism of healthcare where women are seen, um, you know, first of all, they're, they're overly sexualized, but black women, their bodies are sacrificed. And uh, unfortunately, black women are seen as a threat. Um, and, you know, the, uh, 
welfare queen type of stereotypes, the Jezebels. Um, and so unfortunately, society has unfortunately harmed our black women. And so as men, as black men, we have to protect our women, our, our black women. And so we have to really be mindful of the cross-system involvement. So when I talk about the color code, it really is trying to reimagine how we are working with black families, with native families, with Latinx families, because unfortunately, uh, there's this theory that, that is called the, the uh, theory of disparity. And it really talks about how are there outcomes that are um, disproportionately harming black and brown families. It's because that racism exists at the micro level or at the caseworker level or the, the, um, the uh, school psychologist level uh, or at the teacher level or at the police officer level. And then the third or the uh, middle level is the um, mezzo or the systemic organization. So the police department, the child welfare system, uh, the hospital. And then there's the third tier, uh, which is the macro or the policy or the legalization of white supremacy. And so that theory is also in the book. Uh, and so part of my work with the color code, uh, it really centralizes racism. I can speak for all of us basically and say that growing up, we were taught never to talk about race, right? Mm -hmm. in, in, um, in schools where, you know, talked about, uh, you know, how to be nice to each other and the golden rule of treat others like you want to be treated. But in actuality, there's those who benefit from treating us um, and I say us, you know, those who are black and brown, who identify as non-white, um, who have unfortunately been disadvantaged from uh, the American dream. And we have to, you know, crawl and scrape and, you know, get multiple degrees and, you know, have uh, a gold stamp resume even just to be seen um, and then later shut out of a system. And so... Uh, the color code has been great. I've partnered with organizations. I've partnered with colleges and universities and mm. government organizations uh, to really try to reimagine how even, you know, uh, their system might even be built on white supremacist values. Uh, so I can go on and on and on and on yeah, and on. I'm also yeah, yeah, yeah. at, well, at BU, so I can, I can go into all that too. But, so you, but I you, just want to say, you know. You were a professor, right? Yep, so I'm currently in adjunct at BU. Okay, man, you're just doing it all, man. <laughs> so, so yeah. invis invis invisible is that um, mm -hmm. along the same lines, or is it in a different category as far as what the subject? And we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll spend about great. like a few minutes on that, and then we'll jump into our next thing. But oh, absolutely, yeah. So I actually uh, wrote that and published it in, in uh, February. So that's specifically to child welfare um, and how the child welfare system has basically harmed black families since the inception of, you know, even prior to 1492, uh, but specifically to child welfare, how we have to do a better job with our black and uh, black children, uh, youth and families, because uh, studies have shown that, you know, uh, black girls specifically um, are in out of home placements or in uh, foster care or group homes or residential uh, longer stay, so they average about 10 placements while in foster care or out of home. Oh, wow. Uh, mm. Black boys are two and a half times more likely to be removed from their homes. Um, 
and black fathers are less likely to be engaged for case planning and for placement options. And so we have to really discuss that. Why is it that black children are in foster care averaging 28 months more than any other non-black group compared to 22 months? Um, and so we have to really start talking about that. And so this book really starts that conversation because uh, throughout this country, uh, agencies at the county and state level recognize that they're failing black families. And so this book really conceptualizes it. Um, and it's not through, it's, it's through a history lens, but it also brings in policy and practice, but how practitioners can really change how they see black families um, so it's, in a way so that helps decrease not, those issues. Yeah. It sounds like both of your books, it, it rightly so, they're educational. Not, and when you say you wrote Absolutely. it for social workers, I would imagine it, it's more than that. It's it's for a deeper level to that point. Anyone in school, mm-hmm. uh, anyone, uh, yep. not not just in that career path, mm-hmm. but, but you know, that's great that, you know, it's like you're shining a light and, and you wouldn't be the first to do it, right? But you found something that you saw through a career that you were passionate about that you needed to like shine a light on. And in that sense, it wasn't just anger, right? It wasn't just bringing it up and saying, here's the problem. It's here's what I see and here's, here's some solutions or here's what you need to acknowledge to work towards a solution. And I think that's powerful, man. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, so man, again, I just want to thank you for, for all that work because you are doing the work, Mm -hmm. right? And, And many of us aren't. And it's not, I don't want anyone to feel that they have to do something, right? It's a choice. You choose to, to walk a path to make a statement or you choose to just to exist. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking care of your household and and you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And and, and trying to do the best for your family. But if you choose to step out and do more for others, you know, that's powerful. And that is a choice. And, and again, just I commend you for the work that you do sounds like daily. And then with the, with your writing, I mean, all he's that, just getting started, and he's just getting started. So, so yeah. that's it. <laughs> I'm going to say that I'm going to I'm going to lump your writing in with your career. So, what do you do as a hobby to decompress from all this deep thinking? <laughs> oh man, like brain you know, sweat. Like, do you, what do you do? Do you, you do triathlons? Do you like do you CrossFit? I mean, what is there? <laughs> I wish. You know, I think one thing that I do is really just spend time with my uh, two sons because they are a ball of fresh air. So it really gives me the energy just to even you know, mm-hmm. for one, we've been home since March, but also to. Uh, put things into perspective that family is important. And so uh-huh. one thing about my career, um, I wouldn't be, you know, an out towards success without my wife and my children um, and my parents and my twin brother, who's actually a 15 time self-published author, Adrian wow. Michael, bug him. Okay. Adrian uh, you know, well, hey, love, it's love a- language two's out right now. So shout okay. out. To well, Hey, that said, you know, it's funny you touched on you being a twin. Okay, because for the second segment of this episode, we want we're going to have a little bit of fun. Okay, and we were talking about you being a twin, and I don't know a lot of twins. You you know a lot of twins aside from me, outside of Aaron and Adrian. Um, I know of twins. No, I know like no, I, think I don't. I, I think like I, there's oh yeah, so and so is a twin. Oh cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but they're not tight enough for me to like have a conversation, right? Just yeah. come, pass coming and going type people. Um. So I, I'm curious about twins. 
I right? am too. And so we were kind of having a conversation before the episode. And we we're like, yo, I want to ask Aaron like this and that. And like, what's that like? So number one, what was the first question you had about him being a twin? Oh, who's older? Who's yeah, That's what it was. Who's older? What's the minutes and seconds? Yeah. So I am older by nine minutes. Nine, nine minutes. minutes. I always nine, feel like it was always minutes. like five minutes, you know, three minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> I always thought it was seconds. Nine minutes. Okay. Oh, Whoa. seconds. You think yeah. they come out that fast? Yeah. Watch it. Nine minutes. Okay. So you're, you're the older, right? Do you guys, uh, yep. uh, you don't, you currently don't look the same, right? You don't have the same haircut or same. Like look. No, my twin brother has dreadlocks, like long okay. dreadlocks. Um, and so I've actually tried to start mine, but I failed. Okay, and so that said, is this a conscious? Ch- like, what was a point where you guys looked exactly the same? Same haircut, same like you had to dress the same. Like, where was that? What What was that? Was that was that elementary? Was that in high school? Was there a point <laughs> where you guys were rocking the same look? Oh, man. You know, if you even just scan my Facebook, I want to say like the first 15 years of our life, our, our parents tried to force us to dress the same. <laughs> oh, I wow. remember, you know. I think I would do that with twins. School. Oh, my God. I think I yeah, would do that with to, twins. You know, wear the same yeah. clothes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it wasn't until about sixth or seventh grade where we started to branch out and uh, wear our own different stuff. But our dad would cut our hair the same and we oh, wear the shoot. same clothes. And so... My mom will, you know, even to this day, call us Adrian, Aaron. I'm like, well, I'm Aaron. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you are. But you're both one, one and the same. And so uh, even even when I call my twin brother today, I will even call him Aaron on accident. I'm like, Dang it. My bad. Um, so did you guys ever, look, yeah. those times you look the same, did you ever prank anyone? Your parents What's included. What's the pranks like, like? Did you ever act like, you know, switch roles? Did you ever parent You know, track? that is so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. No, you know, we really? never did. Seems like I know that'd be a that fun thing. We actually talked about it in yeah. middle school where folks would be like, are you Aaron? Are you Asian? Are you um, pranking us? I'm like, I'm not pranking you. But I can tell you this, Adrian went to see you, Boulder. And so whenever I would go up there for college parties or hang out with him or my frat brothers and like random strangers would be like, hey, Adrian. In the moment, I could make two choices. I could say uh, wrong person, or I could pretend that I know them because I'm Adrian. And so I would actually, for a good couple of years, I would just let them think that I was Adrian. So they would go on about, you know, how was class and this. And that. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, and then I would man. text Adrian like, yo, I don't know who this person was, but they might hit you up and say, hey, you know, it was, it was good to see you. And I have no idea who they are. Uh, see, now that's a different dynamic. That I, mm-hmm. you know, people that are, that are, that don't have a twin sibling, um, to, that's like a, a cultural understanding. Like, Hey man, I just got to let you know, old buddy thought I was you. Right, so right. this is what it is. <laughs> like you didn't try to set him up. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, that, that is so funny. Cause like growing up, I would always think, you know, if I was Toronto bank or if Asian was Toronto bank, he could oh. set me up, right? Oh, I could set yeah. him up. Yeah, um, yeah, or, yeah. Like I said, him up. Shoot. For what? the record, I have never robbed anybody. <laughs> hey, what? What? Do you guys sound the same? Like, is your voice yeah. very similar? Or, well, this is the thing. So, as a twin, I honestly don't think that I look like him. Okay. For a very long time, I'm like, we look very different, but we are identical. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, we actually turned 34 in July. 
And so now I'm like, dude, if I'm staring at his picture or if I'm uh, looking at old pictures, I'm like, yeah, we actually do look alike. That's um, so interesting, man. So like, could you it, look at Instagram? You know, there's like, there's, could you look at Instagram, Jank, yeah. and be like, look at someone else's Instagram and it's like looking at you, but they're doing things that you're not doing? Oh, that, that'd be some like Black Mirror type right? stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, you're just like, going to be around for a while. But man, to, to what you're saying, Aaron, like I, I would, it, I think, but of course it's because I'm not in this scenario and I yeah. think you hit it on the head. Like where you're like, well, I don't see why people think we look so similar. Yeah. Right? But you're saying uh-huh. now you're seeing the similarity more. Yeah. Well, you know, I think growing up naturally as a twin, you want to be your own self. And so for a very long time, my dad specifically, he wanted us to go to, go to the same college because he believes that we are stronger together, which is, that is the basis of the black me, right? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, really having that collective approach. So we were like radical, like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to CSU, go to CU, and we're going to, you know, go and split our, our separate ways but who knew that we would pledge to be a same frat mm-hmm. we would have the same friends we would uh you know have the uh, same passion we would start our, our own business like so many years ago and we, we would do so many things together um and so as we got older we just started to know that being together was more powerful than being separated mm. so for a long time especially in college i would fight like i'm not adrian He's not Aaron. Adrian was the popular one. Like in middle school, like everybody wanted to be Adrian's friend. I was, I was quiet. I was shy. Um, and so I really uh, looked up and I still continue to look up to Adrian. Uh, but it's so funny when folks are like, y'all look just the same. I'm like, nah, Adrian's on a whole nother stratosphere. So he is, <laughs> not only is he my, not only is he my, my twin brother, but he's, my idol, my uh, role model, like he's done some tremendous work oh, um, as an entrepreneur, as a father, as, as a husband. Um, That's awesome. And it's so funny because even our uh, wives are like, y'all cannot play games with us. Cause if y'all ever uh, I was going to ask and, that. Yeah, and that was going to be the next question. Whatever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no do you, I got to ask, man, do you guys have the connection? Is there a connection with twins? Like, like y'all, do you yeah, feel it? They, they, y'all would kill it in Pictionary, like, is what we're yeah, saying. Do you, do you feel it? Like, you know? <laughs> Baby, like, split, y'all can't be on the same team. Yeah. Nah, man. <laughs> oh, man. What is, is so funny about that is I didn't know that there was, like, this twin thing until I think it was uh, the Alton twins had a movie yes. or there was, like, yeah. this, this twin movie where, where, where they had powers. Where yeah. if someone was hurt, I could feel it. No, you know, I think it's just more of like an intuition. Like honestly, if I feel something in my gut is wrong, or if he crosses my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna hit him up. It's like God is speaking to us, or our grandmothers are saying checking on each other. But I think that's just with family in general, where yeah. you or with like close friends, where you're like, you know what, something spoke to my heart. Where I gotta just check on things, mm, or yeah, check on uh, Adrian, or check on Ernest or check on our, you know, our uh, close friends who we haven't talked to in months. And mm-hmm. so I think one thing that as a twin, it, it was something that we've had each other since the womb, you know, since 1987, I've been rocking with him. He actually moved to California. So he's in the Bay area uh, for the last three or so years doing this thing. And so even though that he's so far apart, we are even closer because we still check in text all the time. Uh, we're always on Instagram sending like funny uh, memes to each other or we're texting <laughs> the collective with uh, Shank and 
Dr. Ben and Ernest. So we, yeah. you know, we've always uh, stayed connected, even during this pandemic. That's yeah. wonderful, man. Yeah. So, um, Jennifer, did you find any fun things we can throw at Aaron regarding twins? Any facts? Yes. Um, have you <laughs> and your brother ever checked out each other's belly buttons? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, <laughs> what is on my wife's mind? Well, <laughs> you can tell identical twins apart by their belly buttons. Oh, it's like a oh. weird fingerprint or something. Yeah. It's crazy. You know That's the weirdest thing I read. What? Yeah. What a... That is a hard no. Okay. <laughs> you can be like, yo, yo, bro, send me a picture of your belly button. Know, as a right. grown-ass man, no, I, I, I have never checked out my uh, brother's belly button. <laughs> well, next time you guys are out for a swim. Yeah. yeah. Or, be like, know, bro, let me see it. Let me see football. it, bro. But, stop, stop acting shy. But actually, to, to, like, to, um, to add to that, you know what? Growing up, me and my brother would have conversations with my mom and our dad and say, yo, how do you know that Adrian is really Adrian and Aaron is really Aaron? Right. What, what if, if they messed up? up? Yeah. Yeah. With the, as and you were babies. I'm actually Adrian and he's Aaron, but we just kept that name. And so I think that's why my mom always put call us by the same name. And so to this day, I have yet to catch my mom slipping um, <laughs> and say, you are actually Adrian. Um, so that's one thing that has, you know, popped up at least every every five years where we sit down and laugh like, bro, what if you're really me and I'm really you? Well, think oh about it. I, I thought about that as if you guys were infants and you're changing diapers and you're like, I'd have to keep the kids in separate colors or something. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Unless yeah. they had like a birthmark yeah. or something. Right. Yeah. How would you well, know? Look at their belly button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> belly button. Yep. That that's, so see, and your parents probably, they knew so, that all along and they never said anything. Yeah. To you. They've, been checking, they've been watching the belly buttons. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, it's, it's uh so me and my father we have the same extra cartilage on our um on our right ear yeah in our right ear so if you if you if you look at pictures I can tell who I am based on what my ear looks like oh uh, wow so that's how I can tell so if my uh, sisters or somebody sends us like an old school nineteen eighty nine picture mm-hmm. and you know how siblings are no that's me no that's you that's me right uh, I'm like well, check the ear. <laughs> that's a good so that's one, Jim. I can tell who it is. That's a good. What else you what got? Else you got? Yeah. So they do not have uh, identical fingerprints. So if you right. know that your parents did, you know how they do the little footprints yeah, when yeah. you're yeah, newborn. Yeah. Maybe they have. Okay, you could check that. Right. I don't know. So and I, obviously, like DNA fingerprints, I would imagine, or they're not the same. What else you got? Do you, did you and your brother ever create your own language? Or or way of communicating. Oh, that's okay. a good one. Okay. Oh, you know what? I think that is a hard no too. I don't think we uh, have the time to sit and chat about things outside of our normal language. But I think you know maybe for our thirty fourth birthday we can start. Yeah, like, it's time. <laughs> it's time. You guys gotta stop slacking, man. You gotta gotta come up with. Your I, guess, I can see just Aaron and Adrian walking up to each other. You just hear low whispers. <laughs> <laughs> and then Aaron walks and just orders an entire meal for him. Right. Like, wait, you got all that? <laughs> I'm not comfortable with the relationship you have with oh. your brother. I feel like there's secrets. <laughs> oh, man. That that's a good funny. one. What else you got? That's all well, I, I really got. Go ahead, Aaron. One thing that I can say is, like, if we're out somewhere or if I give him 
the look or he gives me a look. But I think that's just culturally too. Like we know if we're in a safe space or if we're not in a safe space mm-hmm. or yeah. if I, I need to shoot something to him where I can't be verbal, but my non-verbal cues. I think that's one thing that we've always had where I can, I can just sense whether he's all right or if I'm all right or if I, if I need to step in or if he needs to step in. So I yep. think like naturally when we were younger, uh, we were very overprotective of each other, especially our younger sisters. And so uh, we knew right then and there, like as the older brothers, twins or not, that we have to step up. And so I think non-verbally, we could always just like, yo, it's time to go or it's time to defend ourselves or whatever it is. So Yeah, nah, I get that because that's how Jason, Jason and I's relationship, he was very – he was very protective of me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was like the kind of like, and then vice versa. I was very protective of Jason too, but I get that Aaron, where you sense something is wrong or you just look at each other and you're like, something ain't right. Or mm-hmm. well, it sounds as though, you know, what you're, you're what, what I'm getting is like being a twin is it's just, it's just a sibling, right? Yeah. Um, uh, same kind of sibling relationships you have. That said, you guys, it sounds you guys are tight. Now, have you always been? Has it always oh, been like, hey, yeah. I don't want to bring up any drama. You'd be like, Adrian, go call yeah, He's going to reach back out and be in like, 97. God, Aaron First up in all, here talking do not trash. Go buy any of his books. <laughs> 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 so, like, were you guys, I mean, was it always, were you guys, because you were twins, were you, was it easier to be close, right? Or is it like any other sibling relationship where there's ups and downs and there's like fights and I ain't talking to him and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? <clears throat> You know, that is a very good question. It's something that I haven't really uh, thought about in a long time. But I can tell you, growing up, I think we had, like, a sibling rivalry. Like, we were very competitive with each other. Like, mom, look at me. Dad, look at me. Don't look at the we. Look at me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think just um, when we got to college, because honestly, for, you know, 18 years, we were at the hip. Uh, We were inseparable. And Mm -hmm. so I think college really um especially because i was almost you know one hour from him and from my family uh for four years it kind of reconnected us and so i think that brought us closer but in high school for sure we were competitive competitive with sports competitive with girls competitive with uh, grades competitive with friends um but as you get older and you get more mature you recognize that there's a power in being, you know, a twin that, you know, there's not that many of us and our, our grandparents were twins too. And so, Oh, wow. We, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So my grandmother and our grandfather were twins. And so growing up, we would uh, crack jokes about it. Like, well, who's the ugly one? You were uncle. You were uncle <laughs> uh, my grandma was like, well, you know, the answer to that. And I'm like, well, are you sure? <laughs> well, do you, yeah. do you want twins? Do you, are you, are you excited? The prospect that you could possibly have twins? Are you like, God, I don't, ha- I oh, hope man. I don't have twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so it's funny because my wife wanted twins, like for the first stop, like twins and, and we're done. Yeah. Um, but I think actually, uh, twins are on the girl side, so my sister oh. would actually be the one, uh, and her children's children should have twins. It's based on how I understand it. I could be totally wrong. Like I didn't know that twins 
had different belly buttons and could talk to each other. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Jennifer doing the research so maybe she knows better. Oh, uh, right, right. Oh, but my man, God. I, I don't know. Honestly, I think my that sister I, should be having twins or, or, or her kids. Have but I'm telling yeah. you, man, you know what would freak me out would be like I ha- we have a kid, right? And then we have a second kid. And then we're like, let's go for a third. But that could be for oh, kids. Oh my god! Right. Yeah. So, you, so like that would be on my mind. Like, no, girl, we can't risk it. Oh, we can't, we can't risk two. it. We got two because no. we, we might end up with four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, Aaron, Absolutely. at this point, uh, we want to throw. We're gonna have uh, the last. We've got like ten more minutes, so we want to do our seg- a part of the segment we always do at the end of the episodes, where we call it random. It's just random questions. So we just want to throw some fun questions out. Uh, you know, and again. Playing on your 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 uh, personality and your intellect, yeah. and we just see how how we all see like to, how we answer these questions. So last week we did would you rather questions, and that was kind of fun. Yeah. So I figured maybe we could do a couple more of those. All right, fire away. All right. Uh, which one do I want to start with? Uh oh. Would you rather have the details of your financial life or your love life be made public? Ooh. Uh, I'll go with financial life. I don't mind people knowing what I when I'm pulling in, because I'm not balling. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe somebody will want to help. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I feel that, bro. Actually, I'm a, I might go with that. Or oh, you said, or oh, you say your love life public, meaning yeah, like like they'll know all the details of your love life or all your financial details. Ah, oh, I'm going financial. Yeah. If oh, I was hiding something, yeah, if, I had, I think, if, I, yeah. if I had Trump's tax account and books or something, I'd be like, yeah, I got to hide that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but nah, man, like, yeah. I don't mind people. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that going out. Oh, what you got, Aaron? I think I would go with the uh, financial documents. If there's any, like, uh, angel investors who want to pay their student loan off, that'd be right, great. Right, <laughs> Oh, my God. Yes. See? Oh, my God. That's a good one, Jennifer. Would you rather you. sing a song in front in front of complete strangers or your closest friends, like a whole song? Mm, yeah. I would say strangers. You know, I was leaning towards that, but ah. I think my my best, I think my closest friends. Like last night when we were watching a movie, like I feel like I could stand up and sing in front of my friends. <laughs> I don't know. I now, think don't I hold was... me to it. Don't yeah. hold me to it. But I think I could. Now, now I can stand up and talk in front of a room full of strangers i've yeah. done that i don't know what it is about See, like, my thing is if if i stay in front of my family for the next 45 <laughs> years <laughs> they will bring up clips and mm-hmm. uh articles about it and just jokes so i yeah. will go with uh singing in front of strangers i'm i'm the same you know, I, yeah because i just <laughs> i just know my brother oh no <laughs> i get it it's just it's gonna be an everlasting joke <laughs> yeah. that's true though because yep. we put out we put out a couple of youtube videos of you singing oh my goodness man <laughs> but you but you know, like we don't like advertise it yeah <laughs> but you're like i don't mind if millions Y'all see should. this yeah Y'all need to. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that was a good one what you got Let's do two more. So if you could give up one of these two things for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Either never brushing your teeth again or never brushing your hair again. And you can't uh, shave your head. I, oh, I could Ooh. go without brushing my hair. <laughs> I got to brush my teeth, man. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll keep it. I'll let it get nappy. <laughs> but I got to brush my teeth. That meant really? You got to think about that? 
I do. I do. <laughs> I really do, actually. So when you say you can't brush your teeth, like nothing, like no, like root sticks, no. Nah, nothing. man, you're done. No, no oral hygiene. <laughs> nah, I think I'd have to, uh, I would have to be able to um, brush my teeth. Too. Yeah, man. I can, I can uh, I can actually twist it up. I was going to say, I, I'll yeah. twist my hair. I'll twist my hair. <laughs> Plus, you can die from, like, yeah. tooth infection. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Oh, man. I will be rocking, like, well, the our, nastiest uh, fro. I yeah. don't even care. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll throw a hat on. Our, oh, yeah. our teeth, our mouth health is technical, our body's health. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It is, I'm man. Dead. All right. We all teeth. <laughs> I agree. All teeth. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right, one more, honey. Okay. Would you rather spend two weeks stuck in a psychi- psychiatric hospital or two weeks stuck in an airport? Oh, airport. Airport, man. I'm good. Airport. I don't want to be in no I've, psych I've ward. been stuck in an airport, but yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll do that. Nah, I'm not I, doing no psych ward. Oh, man. You know, I would I would actually want to be in a, in a uh, psych ward for two weeks. I'm telling you, some, those stories that those folks have, like, yeah, oh, they might you have missed the but you're a writer. Well, if you want to be in there for two weeks, yeah. man, you're, you're a that's writer. Like, that's I, like a gold mine. I hear your, I hear your mind yeah. go. You're a writer. You're like, you know how much I could get. <laughs> you know, I could, I could have enough books for a lifetime. Oh my gosh, if Aaron, I, that might be the move. Yeah. Spend two weeks. That's I'm insane. saying. Like, cause, cause think about people go, people go into places like that to interview people like oh, that to man. get, to get stories. Yeah. He's, he's not wrong. Yeah. But for him, he's not wrong for yeah, him. Yeah. That, that, Aaron, that might be the next move, sir. You know? That might be it. Hey, I'm going to put y'all in the uh, book credit. So hey, like, yeah. hey, you know, don't forget. I was trapped in an airport for two weeks and not go nowhere for two weeks. And CC will fly to Miami or to Cancun right. or yeah. to Jamaica and I'm stuck. Nah. Uh, yeah, I, you want to be doing crazy. something, yeah, yeah. That's true because ain't nobody in the airport trying to talk to nobody. <laughs> oh my god, everyone's man. irritable, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, oh. everyone is hogging the uh, the uh, phone charger cord. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. yeah. You better yeah. get a good spot. That's true. <laughs> so in a psychiatric, how can I say that word? In a psychiatric hospital, mm-hmm. you'd have a bed, you'd have mm. a shower. You'd have food. Oh, you have game time. I didn't, game time, yeah. yeah. I didn't think. Oh, I didn't deep. think. There you go. Yeah, I didn't really look at the big picture. I didn't. I just didn't. I don't know. I guess I just didn't want crazy to rub off yeah. on me. <laughs> <laughs> I got enough of that just walking Rats down the street. talking sh- in the corner I'm again. I got <laughs> Two weeks he spent. I got enough of that going to the grocery store yeah. and, and reading through Facebook. I need. I get, there's enough crazy exposure yeah. right now. You're like, I'm good. To, <laughs> oh, my god. I'm trying to, like, streamline it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't open the door, but please. I didn't. Th- I didn't see it the way Aaron said it. That yeah, makes total that sense. That makes total man. sense, though. Sometimes you get around people. People are interesting. You Absolutely, are, you know. And sometimes a person with a mind that's you call it, people could call it crazy, but it's free of certain restraints, mm-hmm. right? Or free of certain. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's like there's like there's like hidden truths. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so you'll be able it'd be to interesting discover. to see you know why, where their mind goes and and all that stuff and yeah some might just be straight up like some crazy stuff to hear but oh, Aaron Green well, yeah, exactly. hidden truth I think that's one thing that yeah I think that's one thing that we have to do about normalize mental health and know that they're just like us they're, mm-hmm. they're just yeah. like me and you they just need additional support and mm-hmm. you know shout out to those people who actually are in there yeah. who are working on the front lines because that is a very difficult job. Um, and so for me, you know, as a social worker, it's just been an honor 
to work with folks from all walks of life, just to know that it doesn't matter where we come from, what our struggles are, um, that there's people who are dedicated uh, to see the human side of struggle. Um, yeah. And so I'm just honored just to be on this on this podcast, just to elevate and uh, highlight social worker awareness and appreciation month. Yes, I sir. Yes, sir. There. Absolutely. So so, and that um, said, yeah, y'all it, keep doing what y'all doing, man. I, you, well, bro. and it's been an honor having you on the show. Thank you so much, sir. And and again, we want to thank you and everyone in your field. Absolutely, like, like, I, I think that. And I could I could plead ignorance 100% to the lack of understanding of the true nature of the job mm-hmm. and all the heart and, and mind that goes into it, right? Yeah. Because you just hear the term social worker, my social worker, she's a social worker, you know, those kind of things and mm-hmm. not really putting any depth behind that type of career. Mm-hmm. And so it's been just eye-opening. You know, I, I had respect for it because, you, you know, I remember people dealing with a social worker and how they helped and, you know, yeah. and, and so you get glimpses, glimpses. Yeah. But with you uh, on this episode really have opened my eyes to just, you know, how powerful in uh, what I do and all I do is teach martial arts. And what I do is I, I said in this world, can I touch, I want to touch lives, right? You want to have an impact. But mm-hmm. for me, it's all about if I could touch one life, I did, I did something mm-hmm. right. And can you imagine the lives you've touched now, just not through the people you've worked with directly in your, in your career, but the people you teach and the people you've touched with your book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying so you have, you have expanded your reach, which is powerful, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so that's, that's something that, you know, like I said, I love having people on. Like we were talking to Doctor Doctor Ben Sanders, Doctor Ben, right? And we were Dr. talking Ben. <laughs> we were talking to Doctor Ben, and we were talking about you know his path and the things yeah. he's done, and just having just amazing people like you guys, and and really having a higher path, and, and and choosing to to take your intellect and your drive and push it into other people. It's a beautiful yeah. thing, my friend. Absolutely, you know, one thing that I can always say is like iron sharpens iron. So you know. Jay Shank and Dr. Ben and Ernest and Adrian, uh, you know, I think we lean on each other as black men, as black fraternity brothers, but also as husbands and fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I think they really helped me get to the next level because I see what they're doing and they inspire me. They're like, you know what? I can do something. Uh, it, you know, I think that's one thing that this pandemic has really opened up my eyes. Like, we can be so creative and be outside of the box and just share ideas with each other and not be in competition, but be in support and yeah, know yep, that absolutely. if I ever have, you know, struggles or triumphs that I can, you know, share with them my highs and my lows with no judgment. And I think that's one thing that we have to do as men, like to be vulnerable with each other yep. and know that that's healthy. So again, absolutely. shout out to what you guys are doing because Thank you, you guys are elevating these, these conversations and you're normalizing these topics in a way that hits home. So, Let's keep doing what y'all doing. Y'all are, right. you know, right in that, right in that sweet spot. So keep it up. Yeah, thank you so thank much, you, bro. I appreciate Man, that. Man, I appreciate that. Well, yeah. that uh, concludes this episode. So thank you yeah. for listening to this episode and, of Unrequested. Well, before we let them go, yeah. Aaron, leave the plugs for yeah. your books and then also leave some plugs for Adrian. Oh, you know, all day. <laughs> Again, uh, thank you all for tuning in. This is Aaron Ross Green Sr. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard and you want to learn more about how to be an anti-racist or on your journey to becoming a better human being, check out my website at AaronRossGreen.com. That's A-A-R-O-N Ross, R-O-S-S, Green. So it's a color, G-R-E-E-N.com. 
I'm selling signed author copy books on my website, or you can go to Amazon.com and get a copy and search The Color Code or Invisible, The Black and Blues of Child Welfare. Uh, if you are into poetry and a pose and you want to learn how to be a kind soul, check out my twin brother, Adrian Michael. Uh, his website is adrianmichaelgreen.com. Uh, he's a 15-time best-selling author. Check him out. Uh, with that being said, thank you guys for the opportunity. I uh, hope we can partner in future opportunities um, and peace and love. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. That's, That's a mic drop. That is a mic drop. Aaron, you've done mic this drop. before. All right. You've done this. Hey, this is my first my first podcast oh for real no way well we're ever, happy to uh ever. be your wow. first <laughs> <laughs> tell your friends tell your friends about me <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to say nothing but i had to slide that in yeah, yeah. man you're a natural bro you yes, are a natural <laughs> absolutely God. appreciate that all right well again thank you for listening to unrequested with rad and shank as always you didn't ask for it but you got it. I nailed it, bro. <laughs> you got High five. That, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got the closing on that one. Oh, my God. All right, listeners. And as the old saying goes, bye. bye.